My name is Zach Moss. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Why, hello. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network, the Locker Room Talk Edition. My name is Zach Moss. I'm a political columnist for the Daily Emerald. And with me here, staring at me from across the room, is political columnist Alec Cowan. Yeah, hey there. And uh, today we're going to be talking about something that's quite honestly a disappointment. It's disappointment locked up in anticipation, locked up in excitement and, and frustration. In other words, the presidential debate. Um, and going into the debate, there was tons of hype as Hillary Clinton and a, had a new wave of emails leaked describing a couple things, the most important of which was her statement to a group of investors from Goldman Sachs and BlackRock describing the need for a public and private position. These emails also quoted her stating that she would like a call for open borders between countries, which at first may not seem like a big deal, but is a huge statement to make politically. And then we had this. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the pussy. That was Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump in 2005 describing what is today considered sexual assault. And it has been the crux of a campaign that was already falling behind after the vice presidential debate. It's it's really taken off. And what are your thoughts, I mean, especially in comparison to Bill Clinton, who seems to be Trump's go to pinata? Uh, where does this rhetoric take us and, and what has it done to the culture around the election? So, ooh. Yeah, that's a that's a deep question. I think I just got dropped in the very beginning. Okay, well, I would say, in terms of the culture around the election, I don't. I say there's two things to really be said about this. Number one, I think it's safe to say that it's definitely polarized the country in the sense that there there are the the Hillary Clinton supporters, the Bernie Sanders supporters, and the Trump supporters. Now, I get it. Now. In previous elections, it's the same thing, the Republican versus the Democrat and so on and so forth. But I think the difference between this is the fact that not only do they hate each other, but they also hate the political system. I think something that is important to note is the fact that both Donald Trump's campaign and Bernie Sanders' old campaign, everything was against the system. And then you have Hillary Clinton, who's kind of like the awkward third person that... You know, they they no no one really likes her, but <laughs> yeah. but they like her a little bit more than Trump for the most part. And so I, I feel like it's a very a very awkward thing. But I would say there's definitely a lot more tension right now. And yes, I would agree that Bill Clinton, aka Slick Willie, is definitely <laughs> the pinata this entire time. Yeah, I mean it's, it's it's culture. I think is is a great word because it's it's very much atypical. It's not your, a lot of the time, it's not a discussion about policy. And especially looking at these last two debates, majority of the discussion is on, can these people be trusted? Is, is there's a discussion of what, what kind of character do these people have? And, and the very first question in this debate was one on, on character. And if both candidates thought that they, they had good character that to viewers, they set a, a good example. And this whole sex scandal this assault scandal i mean i guess more accurately <laughs> given a name is is something that is 
just totally normal for this campaign, it, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's something that even most people watching aren't surprised of, and that's a scary That's a scary thing. And all of this happened 48 hours before the debate, and, and then we had the actual debate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? I... Something that is uh, <laughs> that I hope people caught up on was the fact that uh, number one, Donald Trump finally apologized for something. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's about as much of an apology as we're probably going to get from him. But I like where his, his scapegoats were. Number one, it was Bill Clinton. First of all, like you had said earlier, which was yeah, okay, it was locker room talk. But look at Bill Clinton. I said things, but at least he he did things. It's like okay, but, but Donald, you just said you were you were kissing people and and so on. Yeah. Um, and so he's just kind of saying, I'm not as bad as, as someone else, which I mean, <laughs> if you're running for president is, is not the best analogy that you want to draw. Up. Right. And the second one I think is really funny is the fact that then he just mentions like ISIS. I feel like if in doubt, just pull the ISIS card. So, of course, he's saying, well, you know what? Yeah, locker room talk isn't the, the best kind of talk, but at the same time, you see everybody across the world who are beheading people and putting people in jail cells and drowning. It's like, okay, okay got it, got it. We're not ISIS. Good. Okay, <laughs> we've accomplished that. For God's sake, can yeah. we get back to the normal stuff now? <laughs> Jesus, why has it got to be Bill Clinton or ISIS that somehow fills the awkwardness in the whole debate? Yeah, there were, there were several moments in the debate when he went on these awkward tangents where it was it seemed like he was trying to be a politician and he was trying to have these really nuanced segues into policy platforms. I think one of the, in response to the question um, uh, if he thought he had a good character or if he if he thought he was a good role model, uh, he, he talked about, you know, the poor state of African-Americans in in the United States. And it just it was like, OK, I, I kind of see what you're trying to do here, Donald. Like, I get it. You want to make like a good political comment and, and and try to get like some party policies in there. But that's the complete wrong place. And then it once like you brought up, it happened exactly with the ISIS situation. And, oh, what do you think about these tapes? And, oh, well, you know, ISIS is horrible. Like, where does this come from? <laughs> but then we had a lot of statements like these that just got vitriolic and, and downright ugly. Go back and take a look at those commercials. A race where you lost, fair and square, unlike the Bernie Sanders race where... You won, but not fair and square, in my opinion. And all you have to do is take a look at WikiLeaks and just see what they said about Bernie Sanders and see what Deborah Wasserman Schultz had in mind, because Bernie Sanders, between superdelegates and Deborah Wasserman Schultz, he never had a chance. And I was so surprised to see him sign on with the devil. If I win, I am going to instruct my attorney general to get a special prosecutor to look into your situation, because there has never been so many lies, so much deception. There has never been anything like it. So we're going to get a special prosecutor, and we're going to look into it, because you know what? People have been, their lives have been destroyed for doing one-fifth of what you've done, and it's a disgrace. And honestly, you ought to be ashamed of Secretary yourself. Secretary Clinton, I want to follow up on that. Yeah, I'm going to let, let you talk about it now. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. And we arrive at the simplest word of fear. And this campaign has been driven by it. And with a month until election day, the news just keeps getting worse with scandals on both sides of the court. 
according to a USA Today poll, which was taken in September, and granted, this were before these giant wrecking balls of sexual assault scandal and and more and more emails by the day, 80% of people supporting Donald Trump said that they would be, quote, scared of a Clinton presidency. And then 62% of Clinton supporters said that they are scared of a Trump presidency. And CBS News political director John Dickerson earlier in this election said, quote, that's why this election feels so depressing to people, because it's a referendum on the other person and how bad they are. And this feeling was only multiplied and is, of course, expected to multiply as this election continues. And so I just wanted to ask how... How much do you see fear playing a part in this election? What kinds of things are people afraid of and how does that manifest in how they expect to vote? Oh, I think the what people are primarily concerned about, or at least what they're they're scared about, is the fact that the country's just gonna go spiral downhill. Now, I get it, that's a little vague, right? But <laughs> if you look at our past, okay, now I'm talking about the invasion of Iraq. Right. That's been the, the, the go to point, which was, oh, we don't yeah. want to end up like the Bush administration where the, the invasion of Iraq. Mm-hmm. Sorry, they don't usually say Bush administration, but they say invasion of Iraq. And of course, yeah. then Trump's like, well, no, I don't support that. Well, OK, well, you said that during Howard Stern interview. OK, but but continue. And then, of course, Hillary Clinton you know, gives her two cents on that. But I think people are scared that instead of being able to look forward to the future and something that will continually get better. Instead, we're just trying to figure out what exactly will will stop the the downward spiral and i think the funny th- something something to think about at very least is the fact that out of every single person in the entire united states the two arguably some of the two worst people in the entire country are the ones that we're end up you know stuck with yeah and i think it's just kind of funny when you think about it. i don't care what camp you're in trump or hillary i think we can all agree that there may be someone better for this job yeah and I think it's fear has so many different levels um, in this election. I mean, there's one just like like you were saying, there's just this hideous opinion of candidates. And there's just this like regardless of what their, you know, X, Y, Z bullet pointed list of, you know, what they want to accomplish in office. Like people throw that out the window and say, well, she had private emails. Oh, well, it's sexual assault. And and. I'm not trying to downplay those, but it certainly is like this election is much more centered around character qualities than it is campaign policies. It's much more centered around. I mean, there was a question, I think, also that it's <laughs> can people trust you? And and of course, question, the answer is for most of those is no, people can't trust these candidates. And there's especially with all these new scandals day by day, there's just less and less to believe in. I mean, even if you want to kind of see them as bigger than themselves and see them as, you know, a president, a vice president, a whole cabinet and a whole kind of as as a full campaign and a full representation of a political party, you just can't see that. I mean, it's impossible to see as like this election as something that includes a lot of people and that all these people have different voices you know, to say in this, in how the future of this country goes, you just yeah. can't see that anymore. All you see is Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, and and you can't get past that most of the time. Yeah, you know the election's doomed when it starts out with, you know, can we trust you? You know, when that's the first question that's on everybody's mind. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's probably not going to be a very good start. Exactly. And and to go back to Dickerson's comments on on how fear is driving this election, he he goes on to describe that quote. Whoever wins, there will be a sourness to the victory, and that's a problem if you want to actually do something when you get in office. And 
this presents a really tricky reality, like with partisan politics pushing to like such deep qualities, um, like like those character qualities that we were discussing. I mean, pushing even into the character outside of those policies and kind of the character of government and where the government goes from this election. It's just it's hard to see where this future goes, and it's hard to see that there could very well be a a fallout from this election. And there have been headlines, of course, for a while since Bernie Sanders that the political revolution is is this kind of movement in this in this election, like you were saying, with Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders going against the traditional Hillary Clinton. That idea and that you know very weighty word of revolution still holds a lot of weight in the outcome of this election. And I just recently uh, at a Trump rally in Iowa in which Mike Pence was the kind of keynote speaker there, one supporter started this whole revolution rhetoric again. But I will tell you from me personally, if Hillary Clinton gets in, I myself, I'm ready for a revolution because we can't have her in. Yeah, you don't remember that, don't say But that. I'm just saying it. <laughs> no, you know, I'm like Trump. You know, I, I like and so there are a lot of things at work here. There are supporters who genuinely believe in their candidates and their policies and just see that there there are promises and they see those bulleted lists of campaign policies. But then there are also those that see, one, a, a government that refuses to work with their elected president could be, as, as we already know, extremely detrimental to any kind of policy. And that's partisan or not. And then, uh, two, one of these other fallouts is that the people in this election are putting a lot at stake. I mean, there's a noticeable souring in, in race relations oh, yeah. as, as a lot of closeted racists and a lot of closeted racist organizations are coming out after Donald Trump's rise. And, and there's a large discussion on the treatment of women and what constitutes sexual assault, as we've, we've kind of brought up with that locker room talk, which can be very much related to the incident with Stanford swimmer Brock Turner and his kind of 20 minutes of action and that kind of lazy type of rhetoric when, when concerning serious things like sexual assault. And, and, and there are a lot of just general and general lines being drawn between different groups in the United States. And that is why this idea of revolution holds such relevance almost i mean this this supporter of of donald trump uh was not bridled by mike pence there was nothing mike pence could say that really would change their mind on this idea of if hillary clinton is elected we're going to start a revolution and i think that that is something special about this election that voters are getting entrenched in their own beliefs and their own kind of worlds that they live in and they don't want to give that up that's and so I, I just, I mean, what do you see happening? I mean, do you see this revolution, you know, rhetoric as holding a lot of weight? Do you think once the election happens, people will move on, get over it? Or or do you think that there could actually be some really serious, not just political issues, uh, like a, a blocked up government, but but like actual social and cultural crises? Ooh, yeah. I see this depending on who's going to be president. I can see if Donald Trump becomes president, I could see the momentum continuing. And I could see a lot of these policies that are very controversial, like building a wall. I could see a lot of those things taking off. Yeah, I could. But with the other side with Hillary Clinton, do I think it's going away? No. But do I think it's going to be like a tide in the sense that it's going to withdraw for a bit until maybe some sort of other elections and then it's just going to crash back? Yes. No matter what. I think that it's definitely going to be back. 
and I think it's it's not going anywhere. The question now is when is it going to arise again? Mm-hmm. That's the real question and when and in what ways? I mean, is it yeah. going to be primarily directed towards say immigration? Is it going to be more focused on foreign policy like in Syria? Yeah. What is, what's going to be the topic of choice? And that's that's something that I find to be very concerning because you look at the issues that we're having with say Russia and Syria and you look at the issues we're having again with immigration and then you have other things like climate change. Who's going to deal with that? And then when things like that start to get worse and people start to get more involved in those things, how how is that conflict going to, you know, continue? And it's a great point, yeah. I think no matter what, I think we're kind of stuck with this, you know, revolution, not to use any, you know, Bernie Sanders type of, you know, words or slogans. What I mean by revolution is I think it's a fundamental, you know, lack of acceptance for the political arena that we're stuck with right now. And I think that yeah. no matter what, it's it's gonna it's gonna rise up again. I'm not sure how though. Mm-hmm. The real question <laughs> and a little talking a little bit more short short term, I just thought about this while you were talking. When you're talking about an election right now and this point and everything that's been said and done, how significant do you think the leaked tapes of you know, the locker room talk by Donald Trump, how significant do you think that's gonna play now? I mean that's that's a great question and you make a ton of of great points. I mean, it's, I just immediately thought like in this election, we're comparing it to, you know, 2008 and 2012 and the Obama McCain races and the Obama Romney races. And we're kind of comparing it to that and saying, you know, a lot of people are like, we wish we could go back to that of a calm air quotes, calm, but uh, a relatively orderly debate and this kind of traditional politics, because at this point, it's, it's sensationalized. At this point, every single move that any campaign makes is very sensationalized. And I'm now just starting to wonder, like, in four years from now, in, you know, if that's a Hillary running for re-election, if that's a Trump running for re-election, and I, I would be willing to bet that Trump would run for re-election, um, <laughs> in four years, in eight years, how do people look back at this election? I mean, you make, a, you make a great point of there's there's this disconnect between the kind of sensationalization of of sex tapes and and things like that and then there's the actual policies and the things that will last from this election are the policies the things that will like you said kind of ferment and sit in stone where people have to sit on these policies and chew on these beliefs and these views that those will stick and and the tapes and the emails maybe not the emails but definitely the tapes and and some of the other more outrageous things this election will probably die away they'll they'll wind down and die away and what's going to be left is the things that nobody has spent the time talking about and that's the really dangerous thing about this election and and uh, just looking at that looking at it from that futuristic point of view is is how does this election stand in history and and that's that's the really you make a great point i mean it's it's a very interesting question and it's a very kind of scary thing to think about because i with a month left i don't think anything's going to change i don't think there's going to be this change of heart and it's that's it's You're scary right and and that that brings us back to fear i mean it brings us back to voters being afraid that their country or their idealized country is falling into the wrong hands and that that shifts where they put their their views and it shifts where they they want to put their you know their stake where they want to put their beliefs at at risk and it's changing the motivations behind the election because it's not just about a clinton or trump campaign it's about um 
you know, a campaign that isn't as bad as the other, and it's devolving constantly with every single new day, and it's really just becoming about the lesser of of two evils. Absolutely. I think overall, if I were to sum this up with the, the, the elections and everything so far, I would say that no matter what, there's definitely a polarization. People are scared of the other person, and no matter what, the Republican Party is probably going to be disassembled in some way, shape, or form along with the Democratic Party after this. Maybe even the rise of third parties. I don't know. That's just me being optimistic. <laughs> I mean, I think we all could use a little bit more of that. And and, and with that, I mean, that's, that's our show for today. I'm Alec Cowan here. I'm a political columnist at the Daily Emerald, and you can follow me on Twitter at SirAlec underscore 9542. And I'm Zach Moss, and I'm also a political columnist for the Daily Emerald, and you can follow me at ZachMoss6. And be sure to check in uh, every week as we try to come out with some fresh new ideas for you, and let us know what you think in the comments. If there's something we should have said, something you didn't like that we said, let us know. We appreciate it. Thanks.